This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Well, you know, if I ever stop doing this on Z Talk Radio, if I ever just offer this only as a podcast, uh, it's going to be weird how I introduce the show because, you know, I time it out. You know, I, I come in and say, Welcome to Dimland Radio, at virtually the same moment every time. There's that bit of music that plays at the beginning of the show. It's called, the song is called Ram. It's by a friend of mine, uh, his band from some years ago. Uh, the band was called The Yolius. And, uh, uh, and, and he, my friend gave me permission to use the song. And it's perfect because it starts off real, you know, real, uh, into it, it jumps into it, and then it gets to that little bit of a lull where the bass just kind of throbs for a little bit, and it's just it's a little bit of a pause before it kicks back in. And it's a perfect amount of time for me to to say, you know, what I say. And I wait until that moment, and then, it, you know, you can tell, right? And I've got it worked out where by the time I'm done saying what I'm saying, and the music is fading out, but you can hear that, it, that the tune itself is starting to kick back into gear, but the music is fading out. By the time I'm done saying what I'm saying, the music is done, you know, and, and here I am. I'm not one of those shows that has to have like a three-minute opening that has to have all kinds of sound bites and all kinds of crap. Now, I have a little bit of something that happens before this, but I get the show opened in what, a minute, a uh, minute and a half, you know, with the ZTalk radio disclaimer and or the production and then the disclaimer and then and then and then you know then my my opening and you know with the guy saying it's dark let's have some light on the subject and then the opening and then then there's me i don't believe in this this waiting and waiting it's at some point i've heard some shows on radio where they do that and i can understand it a little bit it helps to to fill the hour or the three hours or whatever they're doing on a show i don't know how people do it every day I don't know how you know someone like you know like Rush Limbaugh, uh, Satan rest his soul, <laughs> which he doesn't have. Uh, Satan torment his soul. Maybe that's what I should say, uh, because he was an asshole and um, you know racist asshole who just helped make everybody so mean to each other. He's such a he was such a piece of shit. Anyway, but he got the Medal of Freedom or whatever it is from the president, who was also a piece of shit. So hey, what can you say? Uh, anyway. And hopefully that's, that presidential piece of shit will be in prison soon, but I doubt that'll ever happen. He's just going to be president again. He's going to get reelected. He'll steal the election in 2024, and then he'll declare himself president for life and then change the name of the country to the United States of Trump, and there you go. That's what's going to happen. What was I talking about? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but 
uh, you know, I, if I don't have, I mean, I, if, I, if I don't have ZTalk Radio doing this anymore, it's I'm gonna have to come up with a different way to say the opening, or just lengthen it out, or come in later, or something like that, because I know I'm not gonna be able to change everything. I'll be able to knock off the this is a ZTalk Radio production, and then the, it's not a you know the views expressed in the show are not of the you know of the show the station or its sponsors sponsors, <laughs> uh, and you know anything like that. Uh, but it should be, it should be the opinions of them, especially when it comes to the paranormal stuff. That, that Z Talk still has that flavor to it. They're still into the paranormal stuff. The guy who owns the station still believes that he's psychic. I don't think that he is. I have no doubt that he believes that he is. I just doubt that he is. It's, I'm sorry, I'm a skeptic, and so far, as I say often, and I and I've I've I've, I've, I've said this. Just recently, actually, to some co-workers, I said, you know, the answer is never magic. It's never magic. Whatever this, whatever the mystery is, whatever that needs to be solved, whatever, we're, we don't know what that was. When we figure out what it was, it turns out it was never magic. It's always something more mundane. Might be rare, but something that, okay, yeah, that, that would, that's something that could happen. It's not magic. It's not God did it. It's not that. So, anyway, I didn't plan this initial riff when I started the show, but what the hell. Uh, oh, and, and, and I should say that I am coming to you again from the basement of Nostalgia Zone, uh, which is a comic book store in Minneapolis. You can go online. You can go to nostalgiazone.com. You can check out our website and go through and see what we have in our catalog, on, online catalog there. I, 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 part of my job is to maintain the, the product that's that we have available on that on that website. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we do back issues only. Uh, so you and it goes back to golden age, silver age, bronze age, modern age stuff. You know, up to up to almost today, but uh, we we just don't have the new issues as they come out. We get them maybe a year or two later. Uh, we we pick them up somehow. We pick them up. I don't know how the boss does it, but he does. Uh, and and so we you just check out our, our website. You can become a member of what we call our membership. Two words: membership. Yeah, you can become a member. You save ten percent off of your purchases. You earn, and and ten percent of what you spend converts to you know points that you can use on for future purchases. So that add, that can add up, and you just use that to save even more money uh, on stuff. And let's see what else. Um, yeah, so we've got a huge selection. Of, I mean, if you look at where I'm sitting, the boxes and all that stuff around me. If you looked at it. It's, it's, you'd be amazed, and then you'd realize. And then when I tell you that next door in the basement, there, pretty much the same amount. Well, not quite. Maybe about a, a half of this amount. Eh, more than that, I think. Two, two, two thirds is over there, and then we have an even bigger amount in a warehouse somewhere else. <laughs> so. It's just nuts how many comics we got. We've got Dell, we've got Marvel, we've got DC, Charlton, Harvey, Archie comics. We got the dreaded Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. I hate them. I hate the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not because I don't particularly care for the characters and the stories. I've never read them. It's just I hate entering them when I do the online stuff because it's just it's a long ass title and it's just a pain in the ass and and there's so many different uh, series of them and it's just it's just a pain in the ass. But nevertheless. Check it out. 
Go on our website, become a member. If you're into buying comic books and you're looking for back issues, you're trying to find that issue that you've been trying to find for a long-ass time, Nostalgia Zone might just have it. So check us out, NostalgiaZone.com. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Okay, well, you know what I like? Something that I like at, at, that happens only a couple of times in the, in the year. Uh, it happens for a little bit in, in the fall, late fall, uh, and then it will happen in the spring, uh, especially in spring. This is uh, it's much more there. It's, it, it has to do with uh, with the melting of uh, all that snow that we got. Oh boy, this year we got over 80 inches of snow. We're I think we're like in the the eighth most snowiest winter season on record for for the Twin Cities. Uh, the most snow I think is 98.6 inches, and I think we're at 81. Point two right now maybe a little more i don't know if we're going to get much more but we could but it doesn't look like anything's coming at least in the next week uh we are warming up we're kind of on that we're over the hump definitely and we're on the upswing of as far as uh you know um uh better weather more nicer weather and then of course summer will hit and it'll be miserable and it'll be awful and i'll be complaining about that but nevertheless in spring as the stuff is melting there's two kinds of, of this thing that I like. There's two samples of it. I don't know if samples is the right word. Examples. Uh, um, you get the snow bank you know, that you've shoveled and you piled snow there and piled snow there next to your driveway, next to the sidewalk, all that. And a little bit of that snow bank will, will spill over onto the sidewalk down there at the bottom, right? Over onto the pavement. And as, as it melts, it begins, not only does the snow kind of melt back, uh, and come down, but the snow at the bottom above the pavement will go up a little bit and create a little shelf, if you will. And if it's, if it's just right, you can step on it, you can break off a big chunk of it, and it makes this cool noise, and I like that. I don't, I've liked it since I was a kid. I still like it. You know, I'm an old kid, but I, I still like it. But the other thing that's similar to this happens about the same time now that the the snowbank thing doesn't really happen in fall because you got to get snow but the uh, this ice thing does happen in the fall but it happens mainly in the spring and what it is is um you'll get like a there'll be an area of the ground where it will be able to puddle so you get a little water there and and if it's cold enough that puddle will be just solid ice all the way down to the bottom it's usually only an inch or two not much deeper than that sometimes a little bit but you know, it, it you you'll get that it'll freeze all the way down but then when it starts to warm up and i'm not sure what this phenomenon is a, a physicist would probably be able to explain to me how this happens but what what happens is the water in the in that puddle it'll start to liquefy underneath the surface uh, it, it, you know, it had been all frozen, but it starts to liquefy. But the surface still has ice; it's it's thin, and you'll see you'll start to see little pockets where there's there's air under that ice, and there might be water underneath that little pocket, or it might just go right to the ground. It it, it depends. I don't know how it is that it dries out under there with leaving the ice sheet on the top, but it does. And what's really cool about that, when you find that happening, is you can tap it with your foot, and it breaks like glass. It doesn't make, yeah, I mean, not exactly like glass, but it's pretty close. It makes a similar sound, and it's just fun. I just love to just tap, tap, tap. I, or if there's a big chunk, you just put your foot on it. just breaks it all the way through. It's great. I, you know, it brings out the kid in me. 
<laughs> in, uh, uh, in you know in in the spring when things are starting to become more um, reasonable weather-wise. This has been a long, annoying winter. As I said last week, it's considered to be a moderate winter, but it's such a high level of snow that it feels more severe than than its total points would give you because it wasn't quite as cold. If we had as many cold days as we had, you know, got as many points for cold as we got for for uh, snow, then we'd be up in the severe range. But we didn't. We got half as many cold points as we got points for snow. So it just, you know, and that that was about as many cold points as we got the season you know, winter before and the winter before that, which those were much more mild compared to what we had this winter. As far as the points in the winter misery index, I know it's like three weeks in a row mentioning this thing, but we just kind of feel like, ah, oh, it's, it, you know, it, we're almost out of it. We're almost out of it, but we can still get the little gut punch at the end. You know, the month isn't over yet. March can still get snow and April can get snow. There was a few years ago, we got like 15 inches of snow in a storm uh, in April. And it was, it was a pain in the ass because we had a job scheduled when I was working at the janitor job. We had a scrub job scheduled for that Saturday. And the snowstorm came in that started that late that Friday and went all the way through Saturday. And we had to call it off. And, and much to the chagrin of the customer, well, I, the, the day before, it was a Friday, I called and I talked to the manager of the store about arranging stuff. And I said, you know, we've got a big storm coming in. We might want to postpone this to next weekend because... You know, it could be difficult to get out to you. Oh, no, no, no. Can't do that. Oh, no, no. No, we've got everything set up. We're going to put out our spring displays after, you know, after the, after you guys get this done. I said, okay. Well, we ended up having to beg out anyway because only two of us could make it to the office. One of our guys couldn't get out of his driveway. One person was able to get there. He had a nice four-wheel drive Jeep kind of thing, and he was able to get through it. But I called the boss and I said, look, uh, my car's stuck in a, in the parking lot across or next door to to where our office is, or what was the office that I worked at, where that is, and our lot hasn't been plowed, and this lot that I'm in hasn't been plowed, and I've got the supervisor helping me dig out the car, and he's trying to dig out the van, and it's just that we're not going to get there. Even if we can get this stuff free and get out on the road and start driving it, we're not going to get there in time to be able to get the job done before they open the next day. So we ended up having to call it off. So that can happen. April can give you that surprise and boost your, your the snowfall. So it's not over yet, but it feels like we're close. And not only that, but this coming Thursday, opening day for the Minnesota Twins and baseball. Oh, baseball. Just give me a moment. <sighs> Baseball. It's going to be an interesting season. They've got a clock on the pitchers now. The games will still take as long as the games take, but the pitchers need to you know, pick up the pace between pitches. They can't just dick around on the mound for a minute and a half or two minutes, scratching their nuts and looking out into, into space and comp, you know, contemplating life and the mysteries of, of such things as life. You know, they need to just get the get the pitch in. Let's go. Let's make let's pick up the pace of these games. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Oh, where am I on in my schedule? Oh shit! I better take <laughs> my first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host Jim, Doctor Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back after this break. 
He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jen, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. That may be my favorite Rush song. Uh, I'm not going to say it 100%, but, you know, because it fluctuates, you know, what's your favorite song by any band. You know, it might be, uh, you know, one or another, depending on your emotions uh, you're feeling that day or whatever. But uh, that song, New World Man, is one of my absolute favorite songs by the band Rush, the power trio, trio from Canada. Uh, they and they went out just right, you know. They said, "Okay, we're done." They retired. They're done. They didn't, you know, they didn't keep going until they were old farts that just uh, maybe should pack it up. And I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. Which band is your favorite band, Dim? Yeah, the Who. And are they still doing the touring thing? Yeah, they are. Aren't they pretty old? <laughs> yeah, they are. But, uh, yeah, you know, and the Stones. I don't know if the Stones are touring right now, but uh, anyway. I thought I'd do a quick one of these. I haven't done one in a little bit. Uh, It'll be quick because it's just going to be quick. Uh, uh, Let's see. Here we go. It's not true. It's not true. I'm telling you because I'm up here and you're nowhere. It's not true. Well, I guess uh, this past Monday was uh, the first day of spring, uh, calendar spring. And I guess that, you know, the vernal equinox, right, where you have the same number of hours of sunlight or same no- a number of hours of dark and light in a day, in a 24-hour day. And, and so it's the, you know, I think that's what it is, right? Am I wrong? I hope I'm not. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it's it's the, it's this, uh, it's the, it's first day of spring, and legend has it that it's the only day of the year 
on which you can balance an egg on its end, on its bottom end. You know, if you, you know, when you hold the egg, it's, it's this oval shape that has a tapered top, and then the bottom is a little more, a little more rounded. If that, if we consider that being the bottom, okay. You put that that bottom part on a flat surface, and if you're careful, you can get it to balance, but only on the first day of spring, not any other day of the year. It's only that day, because magic. Well, uh, no, because uh, because of the way the Earth is tilted in relation to the sun and all the uh, uh huh. And one of my coworkers, and this is you know I talked about it last week. Being a skeptic means sometimes you poop the party. <laughs> you disabuse somebody of something uh, of some notion. And so she, uh, this this coworker of mine, she she's in the office and she says, ah, ah, oh, I wish I would remember to bring an egg. I said, why? Well, because, you know, it's the first day of spring. It's the only day you can balance an egg on its end. And I looked at her. <laughs> She's, and, and my head slowly starts to, sh to shake back and forth. And I said, no. <laughs> and she said, well, what? No, no, you can, you can balance an egg on its end any day of the year. You can do it. Just be patient. Do it. It's not It's not just the first day of spring. It's any day of the year. You can do it. And she says, well, I don't, I don't know. Well, I wish I had an egg and bring it in tomorrow and see if you can do it. I says, you can do it. You can, you can balance an egg any day of the year. It doesn't matter. It, does, it just doesn't matter. And I said, well, well, then I, of course, I go and I look for some information. Now, you might say I look for confirmation bias that's just to confirm that I'm correct. Well, I don't know if it's confirmation bias, but at least it's some science where there's some explanation as to as to uh, why uh, you can bounce an egg on any day of the year. It doesn't matter if it's, a, if it's the first day of spring or the, the 4th of July or if it's January 1st or whatever. It doesn't matter. So I found a video that's done by a fellow that that I know. He's a Facebook friend. We've had uh, uh, back when when the skeptics weren't meeting up together, we were doing Zoom meetings online. Uh, he he began to show up for that because he couldn't always come to the actual meetings because I think he lives a little further away from the Twin Cities, but he could do a Zoom thing. So kind of got to know him there. Uh, my uh, 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 my friend Craig knows him pretty well. And, you know, it's just so I got to know him and we're Facebook, as I said, we're Facebook friends. And so I've had a little communications with him and all that. And I'm going to mention to him that uh, I found a video that he made. He's a professional nat naturalist. He's a scientist. So he understands using the scientific method and he knows he understands how to, you know, look into claims and test them to see if they're true or not. Uh, he has some of that that basis. And he, he has a, a, a video where he shows, you know, he's balancing an egg. And it could be any day. We don't know what day it is that he's, he's balancing it. But he tells this story that, uh, that he got from his father. His father was a DJ in radio. And they would do this, you know, they say, hey, it's the first day of spring. Get out there and uh, balance those eggs and give us a call. Let us know if you've gotten it done, if you did it. And they'd get people to call in and say, yeah, we got it. We got the, we got the egg. We got the balance. Yeah, it's great. We got it. Oh, that's awesome. Terrific. You know, that kind of thing. But they would also 
just at a random time in the year, say, hey, this today is a special day. It's just, it's this, uh, that's just the, the stars are just right, or however they'd set it up. And they'd say, you can balance an egg on today, only today. You can balance an egg on its end, on its bottom end, you know, if we consider the, the rounder part, the bottom end. You can balance an egg. You can do that. And, and so give us a call. Try it out. See if you can do it. And give us a call and see if you did it. And people would call in and say, yeah, we did it. And then he'd say, all right, well, you know, it, it, the legend is that you can only do this on spring, but you can do it any day. And I, and that's, they would just play with the people that way. They, they can call in. So, so uh, uh, Kirk Mona is the name of the, uh, uh, the professional nationalist, uh, nat naturalist. He's not a nationalist. <laughs> that's uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, so he's, uh, she's the professional nationalist. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, I'll link to that video where he tells that story. But it's true. It's it's you can balance an egg on any day of the year. So the idea that you can only balance an egg on on the first day of spring, well, it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. I'm telling you, cause I'm Okay, uh, here's something that's cool. Uh, at the shop that I work now, uh, Cold Side Silk Screening, we, we print t-shirts and sweatshirts and do embroidery and things like that. It's, it's, it, it was my all-time favorite job that I've ever had, my favorite place to work, although I'd left it twice. <laughs> and I, but I'm back now, and I intend to stay there until I cannot work anymore. And let's hope the place stays in business, uh, uh, you know, until then. <laughs> And and it goes beyond that. It does. I don't. It doesn't need to end just when I leave. Uh, it needs to continue because it's uh, it's a really cool place to work. Uh, not perfect, you know. No place is, but it has a. There's an atmosphere to the place. There's just something about it. It just there's a uh, there's a you know there's a there's a it's a it's a very employee friendly type place to work, and it's very employee run. The, the two bosses, the two fellows that own the place, don't really engage in the day-to-day -day running of the shop. It's the it's the fellow I work with in the office, uh, and and the fellow and, and one of our printers. We've got we've got two printers right now, uh, and it's the the one who's our shop manager, and he manages the schedule of stuff that goes out there, and and you know, and, and it's it's the two of them, and myself a little bit. And, and everybody else there actually, we just we run the shop. We take care of the stuff. You know, uh, the uh, John is the guy working in the office. John and I make sure the jobs get the. You know, we field the jobs as they come in, and we make sure they get through the process and all that. And Mike, he's the uh, shop manager. He makes sure that that the other printer, his name's Blake, gets to know what needs to do. And then April, she's the one that pulls our shirts and folds and stuff. She knows what to do. And then our artist upstairs is my wife. Uh, she gets the information from John and I about getting things together. And then there's you know everybody in the shop uh, has their part. My son is working there. There's another fellow that really works very part time there, but he's been working with them for a long ass time. His name's Randy. You know, there we're all you know, working together, the thing works. So if the day comes when the two owners decide to move along and go retire in that, uh, the plan is to shift the ownership of the business over to, you know, the two fellows that are pretty much the ones that are running it now. And hopefully everything works.
<laughs> hopefully that, that goes and we continue on into the future and, and maybe even improve things. We'll see. But I like working there. Uh, and it has this, uh, you know, decoration within the shop that reflects the kinds of personalities of the people who have worked there. You know, things on the wall. Some of it's uh, not safe for work type stuff, but at this workplace, it's not a big deal. Some of <laughs> some of it's silly. Some we we have a wall where um, uh, uh, that the shop manager and and at the time his brother who worked with us for a while. His brother has since passed on. It's very sad. Um, uh, the two of them were were decorating that wall with uh, with Tootsie Pop wrappers that had the the star with the uh, with the cultural appropriating uh, kid in the uh, uh, Native American outfit shooting an arrow at the star yeah and you get one with that on there they were putting it on the wall that's <laughs> and there's there's all kinds of other things uh, in the place and there was this thing in the late 90s. Uh, and it may be, and it still comes out today. It's still a toy that's used today, a toy game kind of thing. It's called the Gooey Louie. And you'll have to go to the show notes, which is uh, dimland.com, and I'll show you this image of a Gooey Louie game that's on there. And I'll even link to a, a commercial for it. And what it is, the game is, um, well, the, the game piece is, uh, is, is it's a head uh, of a goofy-looking dude. It's, it's Louie. He's white, of course. He's got no hair. He's got a great big old nose. He's got his tongue coming out of his nose, out of his mouth, that's reaching up to his nose, kind of curved up toward his nose. He's got these googly eyes uh, that are egg-shaped, uh, ironically enough. And, uh, and, and what is going on with this thing is that he's got snot hanging out of his nose. These, these pieces of snot are these rubbery... Uh, pale yellow green colored strands of snot now the, the strands of snot have long since disappeared but they but you know from the gooey louie game that we have at uh, at the shop but what the object is is that you pull these strands of snot out of his nose hoping you don't get the one strand of snot that's connected to a little trigger that pops up up the top of his head and makes his brain shoot out so if you have that you lose the game Okay, so somebody there was a there was a novelty toy store game store just a block away from the shop. It was called Sister Fun, and it had all this neat stuff in there. Just 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 fun, weird little toy figures and games and silly stuff. Just silly stuff. And I think that's where the person got the Gooey Louie game. Maybe they picked it up at another place like Target or something like that. But wherever they got it, whoever it was that brought it in, brought in this Gooey Louie thing. And had it set in the shop, and people would play with it, and whatever. One of our co-workers back in the day, he was another fellow named Jim, uh, 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 ironically enough. I don't know if that's ironic, but coincidentally enough, his name was Jim. And he was also a cartoonist. He did. He was pretty good. He had a nice cartooning style and drawing style. He was very clever. He was very smart. He would come up with these... He came up with a game based on one of the fellows... A board game based on one of the fellows that used to work there. And, and it's just it's just real clever, funny, uh, kind of offbeat kind of fellow. But I really like Jim. Jim was Jim was really cool. And Jim had he was talented. I mean, he took the Gooey Louie game, and he he looked at it and he thought, "Huh, I think I can do something with this." And he went and got himself a black sharpie. That's a marker. And 
He drew hair on it, on one side of it, the, the same faces on either side. You know, so he draws little short strokes of short buzz cut hair, which is kind of how, it was, how I was wearing my hair back in those days. And then, and then he did longer lines, uh, drawing in a mustache, and then connecting to the goatee, connecting to a goatee underneath that he drew in with a little longer strokes. So that it was, it's called the Van Dyke. When you have the mustache that connects to the goatee on the chin, and it goes around the mouth, that's, that's a Van Dyke. So he draws that in, and that's how I wore my facial hair at that time. I had a Van Dyke. I didn't have the full beard like I do now. I didn't grow it out to connect to the sideburns. But, okay, so he draws that in. And then, for the eyes, they already have the, 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 the game piece or the whatever, the board, game board, if that's what you can call it. But anyway, this, the figurehead thing already had black outlines to the eyes. So what he did was, was he drew a straight line from the ear where the, the, the frame of the glasses, you know, with the bow that goes over your ear, that part that, that extends from the, the front part of your glasses that holds the lens, back to the, your ear, that, that's, I think that's called the bow. The, the, he drew a straight line to the eye to represent that part of the glasses, but he did something very subtle and just, I, I think, brilliant, which made, them, which made them look much more like glasses than if he had just drawn the line to the black outline that was already around the eyeballs than if he had just done that. He could have done that, and it would look like glasses. I don't think I would have thought to do what he did. But what he did was, he see, that line that's coming from the ear that's going to connect up with the eyeball, he doesn't connect it to the eyeball. What he did was he put a little loop, a little loop, which represents the, the elbow, if you will, of the glasses. That's, you know, where the, where the bow folds uh, on itself. You know, and 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 the and the part that that becomes the the front part of the glasses, the frames that holds the holds your lenses. So he made that little little bloop right there, just 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 this tiny, just this just this partial circle, just bloop. That even that just 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 says these are glasses so much better than just drawing the line and connecting it to the eyes. Even though there was still a set of glasses, I thought that was just a brilliant little piece there, and. And I was wearing, you know, glasses at the time. I wear glasses now. He took Gooey Louie, he did those little bits to it, and he made a caricature of me. And I'll be damned if that thing doesn't look like me. I have a pretty good schnoz, pretty good sized nose. I don't, you know, I can't lick, I can't, uh, you know, put my tongue out of my mouth quite like that. But, you know, it's a cartoon thing. But my goodness, I'll put it on the show notes page. You'll take a look at it. It does look like me. It's brilliant. Uh, somebody later, I don't think it was him, somebody else tried to do on the other side, which is just the, the same face, just reverse. You know, when you turn around, it's facing the other direction. It's the same face. Somebody tried to convert that into another co-worker without quite the success that that Jim had achieved when he did it. Now, it wasn't, his name's Jim, my name's Jim, but it wasn't me that did it. It was, it was brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, when you see it, uh, I hope I haven't oversold it. But, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Good work, Jim. Ten points. I, I, I wonder what he's up to these days. Well, I know what I'm up to. I'm up to my second break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the uh, ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. See, I'm going to, if I ever do this, and I might not do breaks if I ever do this just as a podcast. Boy, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, um, I'll be right back. Uh, so sit tight. 
those other guys. The Finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son. Have you ever wondered what skeptics are up to in countries where English is not necessarily the first language? Or are you interested to learn about some fascinating and sometimes very bizarre Europe-related facts, events or people from history of skepticism? Or do you just want to know who's been really wrong lately? You can find out all about that and more on the award-winning show The ESP, the, the European, European Skeptics Podcast. Podcast. So, where can people find the show? You can find it online at theesp.eu, but you can also follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, or like us on Facebook. Oh, and you can contact the show by sending an email to info at theesp.eu. If you want to subscribe, do a quick search for the European Skeptics Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get to your podcast. The European Skeptics Podcast. The real ESP experience. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Ztalk Radio Network. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. To Dimland Radio here in the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, let's see. Well, okay. Uh, late night talk shows have always had a certain amount of uh, phoniness. <laughs> uh, where it was, you know, worked out and planned what they were going to do. But it it looks to the audience as though it was you know of the moment impromptu. What a surprise! Yeah, let's see, like the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson when when uh, when uh, Bob Hope would just walk on. Yeah, this is oh uh, you know Johnny and Ed would be talking about something, and all of a sudden the the music you know thanks for the memories would start playing, and out would walk Bob Hope, who Johnny did not like as a guest on his show. He did he did not. Bob was always fidgeting with stuff on Johnny's desk and and things. It just Johnny didn't like it. Uh, anyway, so out comes Bob, and it says, "Oh, this completely spontaneous moment." No, no, no. <laughs> it was to it was to come on to promote a Bob Hope special that was going to be coming on uh, the NBC network uh, that following weekend or whatever. And uh, and and Johnny, you know, everybody would act like, "Oh, he just showed up." No, no, no. It was planned. They knew it. They, they, they you know, they're not going to do something like that. Not planned. Uh, but there are moments in television where 
it's planned, but not everybody that watch it, that's uh, 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 that's involved in the show knows it's going to happen. One of those cases is the legendary moment, the confrontation between Jerry Lawler, a professional wrestler, and Andy Kaufman, a professional funny guy. And this was Andy Kaufman was doing this. Uh, he was doing his wrestling period where he would wrestle women. Uh, but then they, they started getting challenged. Why don't you wrestle men? Yeah? Why don't you wrestle somebody that might, you know, I don't know, like like a woman couldn't beat him? Anyway, because he wasn't exactly, you know, you know a strong man. Yeah, but anyway, he's just an average dude. So Jerry Lawler was a professional wrestler, and this whole thing developed between the two of them. And uh, they appeared together on Dave Letterman's late night show. And uh, Dave Letterman, the king of late night. I know it's Johnny, but for me, it's Dave Letterman. Especially the NBC years. The uh, CBS years, not so much. But anyway, um, so uh, uh, the two of them, uh, Kaufman and Lawler, they're on the show. And, and they're trading barbs at each other. They're sitting right next to each other. And it escalates to a point where Lawler gets up and slaps uh, Kaufman. Kaufman, who's wearing a, a neck brace because of you know, he'd been hurt by Lawler in their last wrestling thing. And then... And, and, uh, Andy gets you know, gets pissed off and runs out and, and throws water at at uh, he, like grabs a glass of water throws it at, you know to the you know, she, uh, flings the water at Jerry and swears a blue streak jumping up and down and going crazy and the audience is loving it and Dave is looking as uncomfortable as possible and then you know, it kind of ends and they head it to commercial or something and Dave says something like I said, he says he's cleaning off the water off his desk and he says well I think you can use some of those words on television something like that well it turns out years later we find out that uh, that Lawler and Kaufman had planned it all out which is you know which is what professional wrestling is it's not I'm not saying it's fake but it is planned out you have to be athletic you have to know how to take a hit you have to know how to fall those guys have to and women have to be uh, athletically strong and agile and trained to do the stuff they do. They can and do get hurt. But the stuff is kind of scripted. It's it's theater, right? And I think most of the people that watch it and enjoy it believe that too. And understand it. It's theater. And that's what they were doing in the Letterman show. They had planned it out. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to do a slap to you. You're going to do this and blah, blah, blah. And the only person, as far as I know, on the show that knew this was going to happen was the producer, and I think his name was Barry Sands. I think that's the name of the guy who was producing Dave's show at that point. And Dave didn't know. Dave didn't know this was going to happen. So his reaction was real. The, the, the moment was uh, that scene spontaneous was planned, but Dave's reaction was real. There's this, there was a show that was on Friday nights called Fridays. It was on one of the, uh, competing network of... Uh, well, I'm not sure if it was a competing network... Uh, of NBC, and it was sort of a whatever network it was. It was sort of their 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 version of Saturday Night Live. It was a it was a comedy sketch live show where you know uh, you know a lot of actors that uh, that went on to other things um, um, got their start. And one of them was uh, Michael Richards, and he played uh, Kramer in the Seinfeld series. And Michael Richards, and and again this involves uh, Andy Kaufman. And the, the plan was uh, Andy was going to break character and talk to the producer and say, I don't think this sketch is working or something like that. And the only other person on, that, on the show that knew that he was going to do that was Michael Richards. 
the producer is I think a guy named Jack Burns, and Jack Burns was a, a stand-up. Uh, he was a he was a I don't know stand-up comic is the right way for it, but he he was part of a team of fellows, a couple of fellows that would have a routine that they would do. Uh, and he was also on TV shows like uh, he he he, t- he took over for um, Don Knotts when Don Knotts left uh, uh, the Andy Griffith show. He took over as the deputy, and he has this personality. But he was also a producer. He, he, he the character he would play had this kind of real go-getter kind of personality and and all that. But he was also a producer of television stuff, and he produced, I believe it was him that was producing um, Fridays. So he didn't know this was going to happen. Michael Richards knew it was going to happen, and Michael was playing that he didn't know was going to happen, and everybody's getting upset with Andy. It's live, quote-unquote, it's live, uh, and and you see Jack Burns comes on and say he's pissed, uh, and and uh, Michael Richards kind of walks off and grabs a, a cue card and throws it on the table in front of Andy, like, here's your lines, that kind of thing. The other actors on the set are looking very uncomfortable, but that was that was, you know, it was... It was planned to an extent. The, what was spontaneous was the reaction of the people who weren't in on it. Um, and there's, and, and what I don't like is is the uh, well. Let's let's put that on the table. Let's move that over here. I'm not going to get there yet. Sometimes things happen that are absolutely you know not planned. It's just not from anybody. It's it's, it's a, of the moment, and the really good uh, uh, hosts in that know how to play the moment. Johnny Carson was one of those guys. Now, uh, if you ever watch, uh, go on YouTube and look up for look up uh, Rodney Dangerfield on the Tonight Show, and you'll probably find a few videos of of Rodney coming out and doing his eight minutes or whatever they gave him, where he does some his routine, and then he comes over and sits with Johnny at the desk. And then, and, and then what Johnny does is just feed Rodney, you know, the setups to Rodney's being able to tell more jokes. He's just going to do more jokes. And there was one clip that I saw uh, where, where that's happening. And so that's kind of the phony part, the produced part. We know, you know that, that guests are pre-interviewed before coming on and the host knows what they're going to talk about beforehand. It's not... You know, it's, it's kind of planned out. Set me up for this joke. Set me up for this story. Set me, you know, that kind of thing. And so Johnny's working with Rodney. And every now and then Rodney would, would throw out, put out a joke that wouldn't land quite like he had hoped. And you can see the reaction. You can hear the audience laugh a little bit, but Rodney has a reaction. Johnny starts laughing because he knows the joke didn't quite land. And he's looking, he's seeing how Rodney's going to recover. And Rodney will do something. He like he one in one clip that I saw, he just he turns to the fellow that's sitting next to him. It's not Ed McMahon uh, this time. Ed was not on the show of uh, it that day for whatever reason. Uh, and whenever Ed was away, usually it would be Doc Severin uh, who would sit over with Johnny. On you know, Doc Severin was the band leader, and he would come over and sit with Johnny on the couch, um, you know, with the guests, and he'd, he'd be there to kind of you know as backup or something. Uh, but sometimes Doc wasn't there, and Ed wasn't there, and so it would be Tommy Newsom, who was one of the members of the band, who would sit in as the band leader when Doc was gone, and if Ed was gone, he'd be over on the couch, you know, taking Doc's place and Ed's place. So, and Tommy Newsom had this this running gag about him is that he was never a very interesting guy. 
So Rodney's kind of the one joke. I wouldn't say it didn't bomb, but the, the joke bombed. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that, but it just didn't land quite like he thought it would. And and you could tell the reaction he's having, Johnny's having, and then uh, Rodney's kind of hey, uh, hey, looks over at Tommy Newsom and says, "Hey, what have you been up to?" And Johnny just—that's a spontaneous moment where Johnny just bursts out laughing because you know because of the whole thing of what Tommy's like, and it just—it's it's just a moment, right? Well, there was the greatest moment of that, where something spontaneous happens and Johnny shows uh, how great he was at comedy and understanding timing and extending a laugh and making it work and uh, um, you know just just to build on it to make it for the best moment in TV that he can. And this goes back in his days when you know the first ten years of his show were in, uh, were live in New, uh, from New York City. And then I think after about ten years he moved it out to California, uh, and it's and it's at that about the same time when he when he found out that the shows were not being archived, they were not being saved. So, the first ten years of Johnny's show, there is very there isn't much of it left, because NBC wasn't thinking that they should save it. They were just taping it over, just using the tapes again, and just going on. And but Johnny, when he found that out, he said, No, 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 we've got it. We've got to save these things. And so he made sure that that. Uh, that he got the shows and he saved them, but anyway. So, but this particular moment survived because it was such a great moment in television. It's been said that it was the longest sustained laugh uh, in television history, at least at some point. So it happens in about 1965, and the guest that Johnny has on the show is Ed Ames. Now, Ed Ames was primarily a singer, but he also was an actor. He was on uh, he, he, his his singing career. He he sang in a, a singing group with his brothers, the Ames Brothers. He was part of that, but he would also have his solo songs. And I think probably his biggest hit was uh, "My Cup Runneth Over." I'll see if I can find it and link it link to the song. Um, he also acted, as I said, and he was in the series Daniel Boone, which was which starred Fess Parker as Daniel Boone, and Ed Ames played uh, Fess Parker's Indian sidekick Mingo. Right now, by the way, Ed Ames is not Native American. Uh, he's Ukrainian. Uh, he's born in the United States, but his parents came here from uh, came to the United States from Ukraine. So, but he had the look that they could make him look Indian because you know why look for an actor who's actually Native American? <laughs> why do that? So anyway, because uh, you know it's the '60s and that's how they did things. And anyway, so he 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 got pretty proficient at doing tomahawk throws. Uh, the actor Ed Ames, he got he got fairly proficient. So the, the 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 idea was, well, come on the show, we'll do a little interview, and then and you can demonstrate to us how to do a tomahawk throw. You can you can teach Johnny how to do it. And instead of tomahawks, they're using hatchets. And they got this great big piece of plywood set up, and on that piece of plywood, they've uh, they've uh, done a like a a very simple outline drawing of a cowboy. And you know full full size, full body, you know you know you know full size person type drawing of a cowboy right you'll see it when i link to the video and <clears throat> so ed start, you know show johnny how to do it and he says uh you throw it overhand you have to make sure that the that the hatchet makes one rotation that it flips end over end at least once and then hits the hits the target that you're going for so he you know he makes some kind of joke about the microphone being in the way uh that doesn't quite work but you know He's not the comedian. Johnny is. So he's, okay, there he goes. And he, he throws it. And it goes across and it hits the board. It sticks. 
but it hits right between the legs of the of the drawn cowboy. If you're almost on the line or on the line of one leg, just like a couple inches or an inch or so below the crotch, and it lands so that the handle is pointed up at about a 45 degree angle. All right. Now the audience sees that. You you see Ed Ames react like, whoa! <laughs> like, I hit it there? <laughs> he kind of jumps back, kind of thing. And the audience just starts laughing uproariously. And Ed Ames is a little... He's, he's standing there. Johnny has come over. Johnny's got two, ha uh, two hatchets in his hands. He's come over. And the audience is laughing. And... Uh, Ed Ames begins to step toward the board to go over and pull the tomahawk out. Or, you know, the, the hatchet out of there. He goes over to do that, but Johnny doesn't let him get more than a half a step away, grabs his arm, shakes his head, no, 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 turns him around and walks him back to where, you know, to the mark, and and uh, and and just, you know, and is just enjoying. He says, no, 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 you just told this. He says something, but the audience is laughing too much. I don't quite catch what what Johnny says. Uh, Ed Ames says something about maybe I need to pick a new profession or something. And, and Johnny then is, is he's milking the moment. You know, because the reaction is great. The audience is just reacting, 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 laughing themselves silly. And and Johnny's sort of, he's brushing the two hatches he's got in his hand together, like the blades against each other. He's kind of a little sheepishly, but he's got this this grin on his face like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and then the audience starts to sort of settle a little bit to the quiet just a little bit. They're still laughing, but they're coming down. And Johnny looks, he says, I didn't even realize you were Jewish. And that brings everybody back up laughing. It's just, you know, and I, and I, according to uh, Ed McMahon, I saw this in another clip, Johnny had a couple other lines. It's not in the video clip that I saw. Maybe I can find one that has it. But the other line then was something of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, telling people to watch the show Frontier Briss. You know, that's the Jewish line, circumcision, you know, you know, that's the whole, that's the whole joke about how that hatchet landed in the board. So, so he makes that, he makes a joke about the show being called Frontier Briss. Briss is the ceremony that, you know, it's Jewish folks uh, that, you know, observant Jewish folks uh, have with their, with their, with their sons, uh, their, with the male genitalia, you know, and they cut off that little piece of skin that, God so perfectly made us, made us so perfect. We, oh, in his image, but apparently God doesn't have that little bit of skin around the tip of his dick. And he says, you got to cut that off for me, okay? So why? You, you put it there for a reason, didn't you? Yeah, I put it there so you could take it off. No, no, it actually, well, anyway, let's not get into that. So let's mutilate our sons or our, you know, our, our male genitalia uh, possessing offspring. Let's just mutilate them. You know, when when they're babies, let's just do that because it's a wonderful thing. Anyway, it's something that's done. I'll tell you, it's been done to me. I'm not Jewish, but there was a in America at some point. It became the thing to do to all baby boys was to to you know do that. It just became and nobody thought about it and it was just done. And I don't resent my parents for it. It was just something that was done. You know, we our my son Hayden. He probably doesn't want me to tell you this, but he's not been circumcised because my wife and I said you don't need that. It's there. It serves a purpose. Take care of yourself. <laughs> you know. Anyway. So the audience 
I guess, came back up with, with laughing on that. And then uh, I guess the, the capper of the, of, of the routine was that Ed Ames then asks Johnny if Johnny wants to give it a try. And Johnny just says uh, words to the effect of, so I don't think I could hurt him any more than you've done. So, you know, it's, it's a great moment. It was spontaneous. It, this could not be planned that it would happen this way. And, but it shows how great Johnny was at understanding the moment playing it for every laugh that he could play it for and it's and it's brilliant it's just it's 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 brilliant but that brings me to the thing that that bothers the hell out of me and i kicked the hornet's nest on the facebook when i saw this and it's the it's the planned spontaneity oh god i hate that and it's so obvious now, I'm going to go a little long on this show because you got me on a roll. If this is from some years ago, it's The Tonight Show. It's with Jimmy Fallon. And I'm not a, you know, Jimmy Fallon's okay, but I'm not a fan of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. It just does not, I look at it, it just does not work for me. It doesn't work for me. He's, he's no Johnny. He's no Jay, <laughs> Jay Leno. He certainly isn't Letterman. He's no Craig Ferguson. He's not, you know, he's not... He just doesn't have that. I, of the of the late night people now, I prefer Seth Meyers. I think he does a fine job. I don't watch the show much. I, I catch the YouTube clips. I should be honest. Colbert was never my cup of tea. Although sometimes I think he's I find him all right. But there's just I don't know. He just was never my cup of tea. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel's okay. Uh, he does some good stuff for science to you know to help with science. I mean his stance on vaccine. Come on, excellent. Um. But he's, I don't know, there's something about his show that bothers me. And and, 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 and whatever, James Corden, Corden, is that his name? I, I don't even watch it. So I don't know. Okay. Um, some years ago, uh, this was back when Jimmy had pulled the skin off of his ring finger. He's had some accident. And so he's still got the, he's got the bandage around his finger. He has Ariana Grande, who's a pop singer, as his guest. And apparently, Ariana has this talent. She can do impressions of other singers, you know, as well as you know, sing well herself. Although, uh, <clears throat> call me cynical, but uh, I don't believe that uh, uh, Ariana Grande, Beyonce, uh, Rihanna, Madonna, all these, that sort of singer these days and for a long time, I don't believe any of them sing live anywhere ever okay maybe a song or two in their concerts but their concerts are not concerts the way i think that their concerts should be they're not a band with a singer and everybody up there playing their instruments and and doing you know doing their singing you know the concerts i go to the guy the, the guy or gal at the microphone singing is actually singing they might have a click track playing in their headphones to keep the drummer on time. They might have a backing track that uh, fills in something. I mean, the Who would have a backing track to be able to play Baba O'Reilly and won't get fooled again in concert. And nobody, nobody bothered about was bothered about that. The Who fans, well, if I want to hear that song and I want to hear that cool synthesizer parts of those songs, well, they have to do it. It's just the four of them on stage, and three of them have instruments, and one of them just you know might have a harmonica, but it's his voice primarily. So okay, 
they accept it. And the Who didn't hide the fact that they did it. They didn't try to be funny about it or in, you, know, sur you know surreptitious about it. They were honest. They were out. This is what we have to do. In 1989, when the Who got back together to tour, Townsend said we can't play over a certain decibel level, which meant that they had to have more musicians on stage to do all the stuff that John Entwistle, the bass player, did when they were at the higher volume. He was able because if you turn it down, he can't do that stuff anymore. He can't fill the sound like he used to. So you needed a, a keyboard player, which they had added to their to their touring band already, and they didn't they didn't hide that fact. They had the, the guys right there. They didn't introduce them. Here's Ra John Rabbit Bundrick, you know, on keyboards. But then they had to add another guitarist. They had to add a horn section. They had to have another percussionist. They had to have <clears throat> backup singers. They had to have all of that in order to produce a sound that would make up for what John couldn't do anymore because he couldn't play loud enough. All right, fine. But there's this whole, I won't say generation, but this whole genre of pop singing that just lip syncs their way through stage performances when they're live. And people just want to go to see the performer, see the performance that they do, the dance and the show and all that kind of stuff, and they don't care if the person's actually singing or not, or they're naive enough to think that they really are singing. Well, that leads me to what happened on The, on the Tonight Show. They had this bit where, they would, they, where, where Ariana and Jimmy would trade off doing impressions of singers singing silly songs. And there's one in particular. I'll link to this in the show notes. Go to dimland.com, click on the show notes slash blog option, and you'll you'll get to it. There's one in particular where they, they have this 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 computer graphics, animated graphics that goes through and randomly picks a singer and a song. You know, they, they hit a button on the stage, which doesn't do anything. It's just, you know, just in the booth, they say, okay, roll the wheels and put up the you know the ones that they predetermined singer and songs. Put those up. So she hits the button and goes, beep boop beep boop beep boop and it comes up. Christina Aguilera singing Wheels on the Bus. The Wheels on the And so Ariana starts, you know, she, she, she has a microphone, and she's sitting there, and she's just, <clears throat> she does that. And when she does that, I look at her throat, and I can see it moving the way I would expect to if she's actually making those sounds. And then she just, you know, the band starts to slowly play in, and she just starts belting out. Wheels on the bus like Christina Aguilera. There's all this, oh, whoa, 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 you know, that kind of singing, which I don't like. She's doing that, and her, her throat doesn't move. There's no vibration. There's, when she goes into vibrato, when she's going, oh, with a note, when she's doing that, you don't see any kind of, uh, going on in the throat. You should. You don't see her, when you see her tongue, you don't see it vibrate a little bit. When she's going, when she's doing something like that, you don't see her tongue moving. You know why? Because she's lip syncing. And on this thread on the Facebook, I wrote, my first comment was, lip syncing. <laughs> I know, I'm a troll. And, and they jump on me and I said, well, you know, okay, if she is singing, you guys have to admit, this is all rehearsed. She just happens to know the key the band's going to be playing in. She just happens to know the tempo the band's going to be playing in, or, the, or vice versa. The band knows the key and the tempo she's going to sing in. They just happen to know that just like that. No! This is all rehearsed. This is all planned out. This is, you know, this is 
the professional wrestling aspect of this. She has to be able to sing. I have no doubt that she can sing. I have lots of doubt that she was actually singing in that moment. But she sang when they pre-recorded everything. I, I don't, uh, you know, so I have no doubt that she can sing and that she can do the impressions of uh, Britney Spears she does and then she does Christina Aguilera, she does others, I guess. I have no doubt that she can do that. But she doesn't do it live sitting on the, on the couch next to Jimmy. She doesn't do it then. It's all plotted out, just like in professional wrestling. I, they have to be able, the wrestlers have to be able to do the wrestling. They have to be able to do the moves. They have to be able to fall properly and take a hit, give a hit. They have to be able to do that stuff. They have to be athletic. They have to be trained to be able to do it. But they're following a script. It's predetermined who's going to win the match. It's predetermined who's going to get pile-drived, who's going to be, you know, who's going to get, the, who gets to jump off the top rope on the other. It's predetermined. They talk to each other. Okay, I'm going to do this, and they have to know what they're doing. So the band has to know what key Ariana Grande is going to sing in before they start playing. They have to know at what tempo she's going to do before they start playing. And vice versa. Ariana Grande has to know what the band's going to do before she starts singing. And I'm sorry, but I don't buy that she knows that. Just, oh, this is just completely spontaneous. And the thing, the, the thing, the, the exclamation mark on the whole thing that just bothered me so much and was the reason why I don't particularly care for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon was that Jimmy Fallon, while she's doing this stuff, he stands up and he's acting like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. Oh, this is amazing. He's acting. You know exactly what she's going to do. You know exactly the sound that's going to come out of her mouth or over the PA system in the studio. Because it's all been rehearsed. Good night, Adolfo. <sighs> Good night, Frau Blucher. Anyway, you've come to the end of another show. Got a little worked up there. Uh, be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You can balance an egg any day of the year you want. Just steady hand. Just work on it. You can do it. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network and uh, ZTalkRadio.com. And I am your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.